Hello and welcome to the Royal College of Psychiatrists podcast with me, Ella Martin. Cases of eating disorders sadly rose during the pandemic and according to NHS Digital showed that the number of under 20s admitted to hospital due to an eating disorder had risen 50% higher in 2021 than in previous years, 2019 and 2020. Speaking on her latest film 12, which delves into the recovery stage of an eating disorder, is Dr. Parvinda Shergill. Parvinda is a BAFTA-recommended, award-winning actress, filmmaker and psychiatrist working in the NHS. She makes it her mission to represent as much diversity on screen as she does off screen, working with people from various backgrounds in both the cast and crew of her productions. Her stories have shown a wide range of mental health needs and 12 is no exception. So 12 is a short film about eating disorders recovery set in a anonymous group and it follows the journey of Ravina who's a British South Asian young female going to the group and meeting a diverse group of service users sharing their stories and it's written and directed by Molly Vandermeer produced by myself and I'm starring in it as well. Um, So on one side of my career I work in film so that might be in writing, directing, producing, acting, podcasting, um, pretty much anything and then the other side I am a special, um, I'm a registrar in mental health in London in CNWL. So something quite big that you're covering in the film is how eating disorders have been affected during the pandemic And what might be the reasons for the increase in eating disorders during the pandemic? Yeah, I think during the pandemic, I think mental health has certainly been hit, whether you're a staff member or a service user or you've never um, seen services before for your mental health. And I think, you know, for very obvious reasons with eating disorders specifically, I don't think it's one thing. I think it's multivariable and multifactorial. So if we kind of look at it, um, you know, education has been really impacted, whether you're at school, college or university, if you're an older person working in and also having um, you know, postgraduate education, it's been really affected for people. And with eating disorders, sometimes for people, it's a way of controlling a situation in a chaotic life. So if we think about the pandemic, you know, I think a lot of us have felt out of control. We don't know what the future holds. We're still sort of in it. Um, and especially earlier on, there was a lot of uncertainty financially, what's happening day to day. Um, with our loved ones, funerals, weddings, school, jobs, etc., where we're living. So I think for many people, it was a way of controlling that. And if we think also for people that have, you know, we're on lockdown, having to stay home, that can be quite triggering for people. And if we think about certain homes for individuals, there could have been a lot of family enmeshment. There could have been a lot of people at home at the same time. People could have had their own mental health issues. If you've had eating disorders before, mental health before, that increases your risk as well of relapse if, you know, things are triggering you. Um, And being surrounded by that at home on a day-to-day it can be quite stressful and if you think about food food was impacting a lot of people you know I mean you'll talk to your friends and colleagues and peers and they'll say I've put on weight you know during Covid or for others it's gone the other way so food has you know it's one of the things that we always look out for as psychiatrists you know ask about sleep and your appetite so that's certainly been impacted I think for people and also a lot of people have been online during this time you know social media use has really gone up and screen time um, so I think that visual content coming in day to day and if you're someone that your your self-esteem is quite low already about your body image a social media might have played a big impact on that and possibly eating disorder problems that you might be having.
So do you think through people spending more time at home, people are, you know, maybe perhaps looking in the mirror more on Teams, on Zoom, do you think people have become more hypercritical? I think certainly is something that we need to think about um, because a lot has changed. Again, it's not one thing. I think it's a combination of these different things and being around, you know, if you think about being home for some people is really stressful. Um, You know, some people don't get on with who they're living with, Um, not being having that routine you're used to or seeing your peers. Um, And so being locked away at home, having a fridge there, you know, yeah, possibly using screen time. If you've had to use Zoom, it can be quite overwhelming for people and sort of out of the ordinary and out of their comfort zone so I think just people are different different things trigger different people and different things stabilize individuals but certainly I think that sort of uncertainty as well about the future and kind of what's going on can can have increased the anxiety and possibly that's why you know one of the reasons they increase uh, their eating disorders and you've touched a little bit on what the film is about that the main character is going to a support group. Could you tell us a little bit more about what it's about and why it's so important? Yeah, so 12, I think is so incredibly important because you know, it's, it's essentially about eating disorders recovery. And if we think about film and television, you don't typically see um, the film industry tackling eating disorders after a diagnosis. Normally you, you see um, a character, for example, going through an arc, some sort of journey where they get the first symptoms of an eating disorder and get diagnosed and something very dramatic happens. You know, they might be hospitalized or something. Whereas this particular story is actually focusing on what happens after you've had an eating disorder and you're on your road to recovery, which I've personally never seen in film. Um, so it was really important, one, to show that aspect. So I think there's a lot of stigma um, in the film industry about not tackling issues of mental health after you've been diagnosed rather than before and trying to get the help. So that was one aspect. Secondly, you know, it was on the rise during COVID globally, and we wanted to really emphasize that. And also this particular film, because it has so many diverse characters, you know, We've got two black actors. We've got myself, a South Asian actor. We've got an East Asian actor. We've got a plus size actor. We've got an LGBT um, individual. We've got a disabled um, character. We've got, you know, pretty much someone where somebody could relate to themselves if you're watching. So it's so incredibly diverse and inclusive, which was really important because if we think about any film or mental health, you get all walks of life coming through the door. So we really wanted to represent that. And it's not just... In eating disorders, it's typically stigmatized that you're a Caucasian teenager, female. And we wanted to show that actually you can be anyone. You can be an older person and have eating disorder issues. You can be a man. You can be someone of color. You can be from a different ethnicity. So we really wanted to tackle that taboo, as well as in the film industry side. I'm so excited to say we had about 22 women in cast and crew um, and only about eight male um, cast and crew, which is a huge thing in the film industry because it is very male dominated. So we really wanted to tackle so many different um, taboos here. We wanted to give women, you know, a fighting chance in the film industry. We wanted to obviously tackle mental health, eating disorder, which is on the rise and obviously give that opportunity to so many different people. And we really hope, especially the NHS does such great work in the Royal College but we really wanted to show people it's actually okay you know to continue the road to recovery and still get help after you've been diagnosed and to kind of show people what that's like and it's not as frightening or anxiety provoking as people might think. So you've already mentioned a very diverse cast in the film but who worked on the film and why is this relevant to raising awareness for mental health? 
Yeah, so um, we're really lucky, actually. We had quite a few named British actors that wanted to be part of it. So we had Leslie Ash, whose works um, with BBC. We had Ali Bastian, who was in Hollyoaks. And we have Duncan James, who um, some people might remember in the band Blue, and he's also in Hollyoaks. So they were actually part of the film. Um, and myself and Molly Vandermeer, who's the writer-director, um, we kind of, Molly and I had worked together before, um, and we were talking about working together again, and we really really have the same passion so it's about raising awareness for mental health putting you know giving women the opportunity and for me obviously as someone of color it's very important that we have lead roles of actors of color so we were just talking and um Molly had this script actually from three years ago I think it was on her laptop because she she had a few personal stories about eating soda with those that she knows so it came from a place of somewhere of heart for her and for me obviously working in mental health as a doctor you know I'm always incredibly passionate about this and trying to spread awareness in a different way but in a cinematic platform so we're really lucky and we also had um Gurgana, who was our DOP, so our cinematographer. Um, she's actually BAFTA and BFI. We actually had a BAFTA editor as well. So we had really incredible, you know, females part of this film who have been part of the film industry. And we've had a lot of support actually from the newspapers because I think this is something very different because we have filmmakers and we have NHS staff joining forces here. And we had, you know, NHS consultants coming on set doing COVID testing for us. They, they've been invited to the premiere. You know, we've had a lot of support we've been interviewed by the Sun, Daily Mail, Variety magazine so it's getting a lot of traction on both sides and that's what we really hope with this film that on one side you know it does go forth you know in the film industry and hopefully reach BAFTA and Oscar and the other side we hope it makes a difference you know globally with mental health and it really helps um, to spread that awareness and also that stigma for mental health and helps raise awareness for the NHS staff what they've been doing. That's incredible. Also, the fact you've got Duncan from Blue in, I absolutely love Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I was really happy, actually. Um, I, I was dying for him to be in it. Because I remember, do you remember as a little girl um, listening to Blue? So I was really excited for him to be part of it. <laughs> That's amazing. That's such an inspiring cast, like both in, in front of the camera and in the crew as well. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I feel really honoured to have been part of this film, genuinely, like on a side note. So you really want to not only, obviously, you want the film to have success, but you also really want this to educate people? Yeah, I mean, a big thing for me is, um, you know, coming into the NHS, I'm really honoured to work here, but I feel... I think for many people, I've always felt that we need to move with the times, you know, um, it's, it's not the same as it was in the generation above us, you know, not everyone's happy to come speak to a stranger in a clinical room that might feel a bit cold to them and tell your problems, you know, that we have to move with the times. And I think the pandemic has shown people um, and clinicians that, you know, we can't just justify educating people behind clinic doors you know we have to reach people's home it's very difficult for people to get to services you know there's long waiting lists and I think we need to be a bit practical and realistic and that's not me saying anything bad about the service it's just looking at a problem head on um you know and during the pandemic what have people done even staff have done it you you've watched more film you've watched more tv you've listened to podcast radio you've used other resources and I think we need to also move with that we need to adapt so when we're educating people 
we can't expect them to come here because, you know, people take time out of their lives and in a financial crisis, not everyone can afford to do that. Um, and so instead of people's health suffering, why don't we, and it's free, you know, it's cheap, why don't we educate but make it creative, you know, through song, through dance, through music, through podcasts, radio, you know, reach out to people globally where they might struggle to get to a service. Um, and why don't we start at a young age, you know, go to schools, do that. Why in film, one thing I always say, we have first stages but why don't we have mental health first stages why don't we use film you know it doesn't matter where you are you could be in Peru you could be in India you will have access somehow to film um you know I've been trekking in Peru and they had it in the jungle you know people somehow get hold of um film and TV um, so why not use that platform and cinematically so educating people without them even realizing they're watching something really interesting but without realizing passively they're absorbing the signs and symptoms for mental health so I think you know we need to be a bit smart um, be a bit more flexible a bit more creative in how we're reaching out to people um, and I think children you know children now have iPads and they have phones you know it's very different to when I was growing up so why not stimulate them and make them learn without them realizing you know have books on mental health that are fun and colorful have tv shows for children that are about mental health and they will then hopefully grow up in a generation where it's okay to talk about their mental health and get to get the help and to recognize so earlier signs and symptoms recognize you know they catch it earlier um and hopefully won't have you know, severe mental health. So I think we need to move with the times and also think about the future of the NHS and how we can best support it. So I think it is really important. And that's my, that's what I want to do in the film industry. I want to kind of create that and break down that barrier and create that bridge between mental health, you know, as we do traditionally as a doctor, but then incorporate that in the film industry and create them together in a partnership, because I think there's something very powerful there. And I think that is the future. Absolutely. I think it's really, really difficult for especially young people to seek help independently. Like say they don't feel comfortable speaking to their own parents or they don't feel comfortable speaking at school. Mm. They don't know what mental health resources are out there, but what they do have is, you know, access to Netflix and they've got the internet. Mm. So you're, you're right, it is kind of in a way easier for them to consume this kind of content you know Instagram everyone's got some sort of social media whether it's WhatsApp Twitter Instagram TikTok so I think we'd be really foolish not to use these resources of course like what you're saying it needs to be the right information it needs to be safely done by professionals but we have to also think who you know who are our target audience and actually it's not just the elderly population it's children it's young people young adults and you have to think how did they best get the information they want um, so we need to, they're not typically going to look at a leaflet you know those days are gone I think so we need to think how are they going to consume information and people binge at the moment so why not give them information that's interesting for them to consume but the correct information. It'd be good if teenagers and young people could consume content that was in a way entertaining and engaging to watch but also educational. Hmm. And I think you've raised a valid point. I completely agree. Um, and, you know, I have on myself, I've made an Amazon series where it's a psychological thriller. So it seems out of the ordinary for mental health. But that's another thing I was thinking about in the film industry. I think they need to be educated as well because they actually have the power here, which doesn't make sense to me if they're not also talking to professionals. So I think they need to liaise with the professionals. We need to liaise with them because they're the people that have the power globally to spread this awareness, actually. And I think, you know, the film industry, a lot when I'm in it, people don't realize you can make a very beautiful film 
Um, and it doesn't have to be dramatic. And I mean, when I say dramatic, you don't have to have a patient with mental health with a knife stabbing everyone, or you don't need to have a patient who is raging psychotic or something, because that doesn't represent the day to day. You know, the represent the representation day to day is you and me, you know, is people just suffering, you know, quietly because we all have mental health and you're getting through it day to day. And that might to some people not be that exciting to watch but that is the normality and we need to make cinema more normalized actually Um, and there is a field for that so I think it's about working with the film industry and working with podcasts and radio and seeing what's best that we can do but also making it interesting but not sort of out of the ordinary mental health. Yeah I don't think most people realize that people who have mental health needs are much much more dangerous to themselves and to other people because whenever we watch violence it's always kind of motivated by some kind of someone being <laughs> crazy or psychotic mm, or it's mm. quite damaging it's incredibly damaging and what people don't what people fail to realize I think it's only like five percent actually is if you've got tendency of um, being an angry or aggressive person to actually be violent and if you've had that history I mean that's a really low percentage and what about the rest of the percentage so I think there's a lot that needs to be done um but I think now's the time do you know what I mean the pandemic has shown people what they're doing so I think let's embrace it let's not fear it I think let's move with technology and I think we we have I think it's an incredible position to be actually um, in mental health and to be able to have, you know, Wi-Fi at your fingertips. We have a lot of power um, and we have, you know, I I just think the future is very bright with technology. So I think we need to just embrace it with both hands. Absolutely. What kind of projects would you like to work on in the future? I think, um, you know, I've done a few films now. So I've worked uh, with a couple of platforms, you know, BBC, Sky, uh, Amazon. I think I'd like to move on to kind of bigger projects, more TV series now for mental health. I think I'd like to tackle that because I've only done film really or theatre. So I think next for me next year is looking at TV series and seeing if I could work more with the Royal College, with NHS. I just made my first NHS documentary documentary. with rehab actually which was really exciting so all the cast were service users and all the crew were NHS staff which was really exciting um you know way for everyone to get involved so I'd like to continue that as well as well as kind of um getting to bigger platforms uh with my film so I've been BAFTA recommended this year um so next year I'd really like to try and get to the Oscars with mental health films so I don't know we'll see we'll see but I'm aiming quite high (laughs) You've had so much success already, though. I feel like it's not really aiming high. It's just aiming like a little bit no. high. <laughs> no, no, no. I think uh, no, but that's very kind. I think there's a lot more I want to do, and I also feel just as someone of colour, I feel there's a lot more that needs to be done, and for women as well in the industry. So I want to keep going until I feel I'm satisfied, but I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> and in terms of covering mental health needs. You've covered so much in the work that you've done, postnatal depression, eating disorders. And is there something else that is kind of underrepresented, do you think, that could benefit from being more in the spotlight? That's so interesting. Um, Yes, I've done... I've done a few things. I've done sort of obsession and love, trauma, PTSD, assault, as you said, postnatal depression pregnancy perinatal care and yeah I've done eating disorders I think there's a lot in psychiatry I'd love to explore actually I mean I'm always very open I think there's always an interesting story in whichever 
you know, sign or symptom or diagnosis or syndrome. Um, I'd love to explore the idea of culture bound syndromes. I think that's not been done. And what I mean by that is like exploring different cultures, like the Japanese mental health culture, the Egyptian mental health culture. I think that would be really fascinating. Um, not just audiences, but also just to educate oneself. There's, you know, we're not educated a lot actually um, as clinicians about different cultures um, and how they view mental health, you know, like the gin. Um, I know in my culture, how they view mental health is very different to Western culture compared to East. So I think that'd be really fascinating. And I think also, I think audiences would find that fascinating. I think there's a lot of themes you could do with that, like thrillers or uh, drama um, or mystery. I think that would be quite exciting. So maybe one day. Yeah, so it's not just necessarily mental health needs that you want to explore. It's actually how other cultures view mental health needs. Yeah, because I think, you know, I always think about myself, like I'm very lucky. I've been brought up in two cultures in a way, West and East, and how we view it is very different. And I think if I didn't have that sort of sensitivity and I saw somebody who was saying something that I know my aunt would say, I think, okay, I think you have schizophrenia. But actually, it's a culture to think in certain ways and to have certain beliefs and faiths. um, And it's not a diagnosis. So I think that would be really interesting. And I think, you know, in the UK, we have absolutely every it's amazing we have so many different people from different places and I think we need to be a bit more open to that um, and learn a bit more um, and learn what their remedies are and kind of uh, rather than thinking the western way is the only way um, and to explore that and I think also just you know with everything that's happened Black Lives Matter you know the Asian hate I think just for globally for people to also be aware of other households and kind of how they think because we don't know we don't know we have our stereotyped image and what we think but we don't know how and why they think like this because it also comes down to sort of ancient history I think would be really fascinating and I think people would be much more accepting to other people rather than rash making rash decisions Um, and I think it would also really help also not having to jump straight to medication but to think of sort of other you know platforms and other ways to sort of manage patients if you understand more about them and you know why they think like that and where they've come from there's just so much and that's the beauty of mental health I think you'll never get to the bottom of it I think it'll always keep developing and changing and there's always a story you'll find and that's why I find I think it is the future of film because that you know if you watch every film there's always mental health in there without people realizing you'll always have a lead character going through some sort of anxiety arc you know something will happen there'll be a gunshot there'll be some sort of trauma there'll, there's always something um but I think it's just picking out sort of very interesting background stories never seen before and then it doesn't have to be dramatic with a gunshot or you know the lead character it can actually be a fascinating subplot going on but yeah no I find it oh I just I find it very exciting <laughs> A huge thank you to Dr. Parvinda Shergill for discussing her latest project 12, which will be released next year. You'll find information on the Faculty of Eating Disorders, Anorexia and Bulimia and Eating Disorder resources and reports on our website, which is www.rcpsych.ac.uk. Thank you for listening to the Royal College of Psychiatrists podcast with me, Ella Marchand.